This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. Hey everyone, as part of our continuing summer series, we're looking back on some of our previous episodes. Last year, I talked with Mike Ebling, the founder of Not Impossible, a social innovation lab and production company, and his managing director, Adam Dole, who is also the co-founder of Bento, a mobile platform they created to end hunger. They discussed why Not Impossible strives to solve the world's absurdities and how Bento brings dignity to those who experience food insecurity. Well, welcome to the show, Mick and Adam. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So I wanted to start by asking you guys about this idea of absurdities. I'm just going to read from your website. An absurdity is something that cannot stand, an injustice, a WTF world. Can you break down what you mean by absurdities? These are kind of your starting points for the work you're doing, right? Absolutely. Absurdities are things that you see and you just say, No, 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 no. There's no way that that should exist. That shouldn't be that way. It's things many times that you might have walked past or read past or watched past and and it didn't hit. And then you realize, wait a second, there's people who are going hungry or there's people who lack access or lack mobility or and, and you say that just doesn't make sense. That shouldn't be that way. And that kind of feeling of revulsion and repulsion is what we call absurdities. And we use that as the catalyst to kind of propel us into trying to find out and create and prototype a solution around that. And Adam Adam has an amazing quote he found from one of my favorite authors, Camus. Uh, Adam, do you have that, that quote on tap? Well, so Albert Camus references this quote, which I think is kind of the perfect way to encapsulate the ethos of not possible, which is the absurd is born out of confrontation between human need and the unreasonable silence of the world. And is there this kind of idea that if it affects one person, it's worth solving? It's not just a situation where we're solving it for just one person. One of our mantras is help one, help many. And we use that example of the one person as a congealer, as this battle cry, as this person to focus on, knowing that if we solve it for them powerfully and effectively and take all the design considerations that apply to them, then there's a very good chance that by that focus, one, it gives us the ability to to streamline and and dig in, but then by focusing and and solving it for that person, it's going to have an effect on many people. Well, clearly hunger and the fact that there are millions of of hungry people in America, yet so much food is is an absurdity. So was this the starting point for Bento and and how did the pandemic play into that? Go for it, Adam. Yeah, so I mean, food insecurity is the poster child of what we refer to as an absurdity because as you just referenced, there's 50 million people in our country that don't know where their next meal is coming from and yet we're the wealthiest country in the world and we have more than enough food to feed people. It becomes a supply-demand problem and the pandemic definitely shined a spotlight on this this issue. This was an issue that we had been focused on for about a year or two prior to the pandemic and had been prototyping different solutions. And as Mick mentioned, you know, we're in the business of prototyping solutions. A lot of those solutions will end up on the cutting room floor. The ones that make it through our entire R&D pipeline end up getting spun out as, as their own company. And it was just happened to be the timing of 
our R&D process. And so, you know, as many entrepreneur stories, timing is everything. We couldn't have predicted this. It's a bit of a heart-wrenching reality around that timing because I don't think we would have opted for school shutting down, putting people's quality of life at risk and making it harder for people to, to access nutritional food. But that was the reality. And so we were fortunate enough to have the right solution at the right time. And that's what started us down this journey. And, and that's, uh, you know, the, the original project was called Hunger Not Possible, but it quickly got enough momentum and validation that we were able to spin it off as its own company, which is now called Bento. So how does it work exactly? You know, if, if I were to get on my phone and, and wanted to use it, can you kind of walk me through it? Well, f- first, let's, let's talk about some of our, the design principles of Not Impossible. We believe in something that we call frictionless innovation. And that is, we could create the best solution in the world for a problem. But if there are many steps that you have to go through to get to the final fulfillment aspect or or phase of that solution, then there's opportunities galore for attrition and for people to kind of fall off. So Talib, if I was to say to you, I've got a way for you to fly and it's so easy and you'd be like, all right, let's do it. That's great. But I said, all right, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go onto the app store. I need you to download an app and then I need you to do this and I need you to do that. And there's opportunities where as much as you want to fly, you still might put it off a little bit. You might forget about it. But if I said to you, hey, all you have to do is answer a text message or start a text message, there's no friction. It's a way that you interact all day, every day. And so that's kind of the foundation of how we think with all the solutions we create. How do you create something that requires the least amount of effort for the most amount of impact? The way that Vento works is that the user on the side of the organization, so call it, let's let's say it's LA Care, or let's say it's the Boys and Girls Club, or the VA, any organization who has a constituency of people that they want one of two things. One, they want those people to be fed, and that's part of their mission, and they just want to deal that. Or two, they need them to do something. They need them to go to the doctor. They need them to go to job training. They need them to do something else where food can be a motivator to get them to do that. So those are kind of the two pathways into the end user. But that person simply has to text the word hungry, and then it starts a series of four text prompts where it asks them their address, then it asks them to pick a restaurant, then it asks them to pick a menu item from that restaurant, it confirms it, and then they walk into a restaurant and pick it up. And if it sounds simple, it is that simple. Like there's nothing more complicated. Five text prompts and someone who has been enrolled by on the side of the organization, they've determined who that person is who's food insecure. That person now is able with five text prompts to walk into any restaurant that's geo-proximate and close to them, convenient for them. They can walk in and grab a meal that's nutritious, that is uh, dignified. When they walk in, they have no idea that that person's part of the Bento program. It just looks like any other order that comes in and they get to walk in and walk out. And the organization that deployed that meal didn't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. They just had to enter in the phone number of the person, get them enrolled, pay for the meal. But there's no, there's no logistics. There's no operation. There's no manpower. There's no volunteers. There's no setup. There's no cooking. There's no cleaning. There's a, it just taps into an existing ecosystem. And, and the beautiful thing is the person who delivered, the, the person who, who hands that, that meal over to the user, they didn't do anything different. Yeah. They just made an order came in. They made the meal. Person came in, claimed it and walked out. They, they, they're never going to remember it. That's kind of the beauty of the simplicity of how Bento works. This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Has your tech gone through uh, different iterations since its original inception? 
<laughs> <laughs> or how many, I guess. Is the, no, is the ours question. was perfect from the very get-go. It was perfect. We haven't changed a thing. Our original inception was a mechanical Turk where we had, it was still text-based, but there was someone, we had a couple phones on our end. And when the text came in, we had people on our side who were actually then going online and placing the orders for the person. So the person on the other side still had the same, relatively same experience, but we had a bunch of, you know, Santa's helpers and elves on our side who were kind of cranking out these orders, you know, a couple times a day and on weekends. So yeah, it's it's gotten a lot more refined. It's a lot more streamlined. Data and the data side around what we do is such an important component of this because we're going to be able to not just deal with this particular issue, which, say it again, when you're hungry, nothing else matters, right? Don't talk to me about my future. My future is is the pit in my stomach, my stomach growling. That's my future. And until we deal with that, there's nothing else to talk about. But once that's dealt with consistently, now what kind of what kind of insights can we have to better serve that population or the organizations that serve that population? And we see this as, as in the future, something that's going to better serve regional governments, state governments, national governments, large-scale institutions to better create solutions for this at-risk population that cost those organizations a lot of money that create a lot of friction points within the kind of the ecosystems they live in. But now we, once we stabilize, not just stabilize them, but actually give them the ability to propel out of that, that cycle. Now they're contributing members of society. And so they're contributing to the communities that they live in. And that's, that's where it gets really exciting for us. And I think it's also important to realize that the budgets associated with charities will never be enough to eliminate food insecurity. And so being able to tap into larger budgets for our country, like the healthcare budget, it's a $4 trillion plus industry that's largely being dictated by behaviors that happen outside the doctor's office. One of those key contributing factors that's attributing to our negative health outcomes is lack of food and nutritious food. And so when we're solving that problem, it's going to allow us to scale bento to a degree that simply relying on donations and charities, despite their best efforts, will never be enough. You know, you talked earlier about this idea of allowing people to claim their food in a dignified way, kind of reducing the stigma around around this. What do you mean by that? And is that something that's something that's a, an issue right now with the way that people collect food? So I can't tell you how many stories we've heard from people who are now successful, self-sufficient, you know, people in kind of their where they're not what would be a stereotypical, I guess, view of what people might see as someone who's food insecure, someone who's really struggling. And time and time again, we hear the stories of how when they were food insecure, when they weren't sure where their next meal was coming from, they would skip the opportunity for a meal if it meant that they had to wait in a line where they could possibly be seen by their friends when they were kids or be perceived as someone who was one of those people, right? And that's just human pride. And it's not something that is wrong. It's it's real. Think about, think about how you feel as a child when you could be called out as being, oh, you're one of those poor kids or you're one of those kids. So now take that up into now being an adult and being, you know, high school student, college student. Why not create a scenario where people can be fed and not be identified by the fact that they right now at this moment in their life, they're struggling to make ends meet or they're struggling to put food on the table. Why not create 
create a situation where their dignity can be preserved. They're just seen as anybody else. Why, why do we have to put them into situations and scenarios where they're called out as those people? It's just, it's not, it's not done out of any, any malin intent, but if there's an opportunity to not do it, then, then why not? And what we've heard from participants using bento is not only is that moment when they pick up their to-go meal a dignified one that they are excited about and empowered by, but what they've shared back with us is that that moment has a halo effect on other parts of their life. Food insecurity, we know it's a symptom of poverty, and there's steps that those individuals need to be able to take in their daily lives to get themselves out of that situation. And so what they've told us is that that moment of dignity starts applying you know, the self-confidence and perspective on those other steps in their life that need to be taken so that they don't end up becoming food insecure again. When somebody graduates off of Bento, we don't want them to ever have to be food insecure. And that's that level of dignity that has that halo effect that enables that to happen. Great. Well, I'm excited to keep in touch and, and keep hearing about uh, how things are going. So thank you so much, uh, Mick and Adam, for, for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. 